Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Romans. I'm going to read the first eight verses of Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and for his namesake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to be obedient to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again for the privilege we have to gather in this way around your word. And our Father, we know that you are here with us and we pray that you might speak to us through these words of Paul. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, things change, don't they? And modern cars, they do have more than just getting us from A to B. You know, they can tell us which way to go. They can warn us if we take a wrong turn or even if we wander from the lane that we should be in. They can cool us down if it's hot, warm us up if it's cold. And if there's a problem ahead, the car will tell us. It'll tell us also maybe if we're going too fast and lots more things that can make our journey better. For me, most of this most of this information I find when our Matthew is driving my car. Because he will say, Hey Dad, do you know that your car will do this? And I will say, No, I didn't. And he will then show me and he'll tell me which switches to press and which buttons to press. You know, we're thinking about the Bible and there's a lot more in this book that we may not know that will make our journey through life better. It will tell us which direction we should take. It will warn us when we're taking a wrong turn. It will keep us on the straight and narrow. It will slow us down or speed us up. And it will do lots more things that will make our journey through life better. This book, as I said, is not just a book, it is the book, it's the Bible. And the Lord has given us people who will show us what it can do for us. But we need someone to show us. And the Lord has given us people, people like Moses, Joshua, Ruth, Solomon, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, many more. They are all real people who can guide us towards knowing the most important person who is revealed to us in this book, and that is Jesus Christ. You might remember last week we looked at how James opened his letter to the believers who had been scattered among the nations as he Encourage them to stay faithful to the Lord through what was for them troubled times. You know, we all need a little help. 
We all need a little help when going through troubled times. We looked at something of the suffering that James had endured in his life that helped him to understand the situation of the people that he was writing to, giving him the right to be able to speak to them and to empathise with them as he wrote his letter. You, like me, probably get a lot of post. It's addressed to us, but it's from people we don't know. We call this junk mail. I get a lot of phone calls, emails and text messages that I immediately delete. I don't want them. I don't need them. I don't know who these people are who are trying to contact me. And we quite rightly like to know who it is that wants to speak to us and we need to see their credentials. And that will give them the right to speak to us. It also gives us the opportunity of not listening to them and not wanting to hear what they say. But you know, for us this morning, Paul wants to speak to us from these words that we've read together in Romans chapter 1 and verse 1 through to 8. You see, Paul is writing to Gentile believers in Rome and at this point he'd never visited Rome but he did know some believers who lived there and he did have a desire to visit them. At the time of writing, he was probably in the church in Corinth and this would have been during his third missionary journey. And when he wrote this letter, he started by introducing himself to his readers. And this morning, we are included in his readers. But why should we listen to him? Well, let's hear what he has to say. In verse 1, he introduces himself. Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. You know, we see similarities here in his introduction, similarities with the introduction that James put in his letter. Like James, Paul calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul then qualifies this by saying he was called to be an apostle who has been set apart for the gospel of God. So let's just spend a few moments and think about this. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, wait a minute. Isn't this Paul who, in his eagerness to please God, had set out to imprison anyone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. But then he says he's called to be an apostle. Well, if we go to Acts chapter 9, that tells, that tells us how Jesus appeared to Paul while he was on his way to Damascus to arrest anyone who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. But from that point on, Paul had a complete change of direction when he himself became a follower of Jesus. You know, the word apostle that Paul uses is used to describe those who Jesus commissioned in person to go and preach the gospel. And that is what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus when he met with Jesus. And then he says he's set apart for the gospel of God. This means that God has chosen him, chosen him for a specific purpose. And that purpose, Paul tells us, was for the gospel of God, which is the good news about Jesus. 
So, this is Paul, who wants to tell us about the good news of Jesus. So let's go to verse 2. He said, the gospel is promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, we know that Paul was very well educated. He'd been taught the Scriptures and he had become an expert in knowing what they said. But he didn't understand them until he met with Jesus. So Paul knows that not everyone has a great knowledge of the Scriptures. And he knows that those who do, who do really understand it, or he knows that... (laughs) Let's just repeat that. Paul knows that not everybody has a great knowledge of the Scriptures and he knows that those who do not always understand it. But he does. And because he understands it, it is worth listening to him. What did he learn from the Scriptures that he had not understood before? Well, verse 3, regarding his son, who is to his earthly life, to as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David. You see, Paul saw that Jesus, who he now knows is God's son, was descended from David as the scriptures said it would be. So let's go to verse 4. And Paul says, And who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Paul saw that when Jesus rose from the tomb on the third day, that was evidence that the Scriptures were true and that the Scriptures were speaking about Jesus. And Paul goes on in verse 5, Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call the Gentiles to the to the obedience that comes through faith for his name's sake. You know, Paul knows that Jesus died and rose again so that both Jew and Gentile could, by having faith in Jesus, would, by the grace of God, be set free from God's judgment. And Paul is now, in this opening few verses, He's going to bring great words of encouragement to these Gentile believers in Jesus who Paul has not visited but who knows are in need of being shown some of the wonderful things that he, as a believer, a Jewish believer, a follower of Jesus, has found in the Scriptures. So he wants to teach others about God. He wants to teach them how faithful God is, how righteous he is, about God's glory and God's grace, about the hope that he and they have in Christ, and many other things that will be theirs as believers as they follow Jesus. So verse 6, And you also, that's good, isn't it? And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Who is the letter from Paul to, well, verse 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This letter is to believers in Jesus, but it's not just for believers. It is for all who want to know 
God's love. And for them, how to be right with God and to be loved and accepted by God and how to love God. Paul, in his introduction to this letter, shows us that he is well qualified to speak about the gospel. He gives his readers a taste of what he knows about being a follower of Jesus. And as we read through this letter, we will stop at certain points and say, wow, I didn't know that. I might not fully understand how it works, but the end result is great. And Paul wants to speak to us this morning. Paul wants to tell us about the good news of Jesus. Now, don't worry, we're not going to read the whole letter. But maybe sometime this week, you could sit down with a cup of tea, cup of coffee, and maybe read it through. But here is a taster. This is from Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 26. This is what Paul said. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What he's saying is, none of us can stand in the presence of God and tell him that we are perfect and expect him to accept us. Then in that same chapter, verse 24, and all are justified by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So he's saying, we can stand in the presence of God just as if we haven't sinned. It is possible to do that. And in verse 25, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. This is how we can be justified. That means uh, that Jesus took the punishment for our sins as he hung on the cross. Verse 26. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is because God loves us. But we can only do this when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus and what he has done and then take him as our Lord and Saviour as Paul did on the road to Damascus. In these few verses, Paul tells us the good news of Jesus. In the rest of his letter, he will explain to us about atonement, about righteousness, about forbearance, justification, judgment, the Holy Spirit, love, faith, all these things that we might not know about, but they will cause us to say, wow, that's great, I didn't know that. And I still don't fully understand it, but I know that it will guide me on my journey through life. You know, if you find something you like, you can always recommend it. Or, if you want something you're not sure of, you can always look around and see what other people say about it. But how about some recommendations from those who read Paul's letter to the Romans? 
It's always good to have recommendations from people. People who have tried and tested it. Well, just as we finish this morning, how about this? John Calvin lived 1509 to 1564, some 500 years ago. He wrote that Romans is the doorway to the treasures of all scripture. How about that for a five-star recommendation? Martin Luther, born 1483, died in 154. Um, some in 483 died in 15... <laughs> anyway, he was born in 1483 and it was some 500 years ago. And Martin Luther was moved in his journey to trust in Jesus as the only means of salvation. When he read this in Romans 3, 23-25, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Martin Luther realized it's not what he could do to gain favor with God. It's what Jesus has done for him. How about let's come a little closer to us. John Wesley, you know, 1703, 1791, some 300 years ago, said that these verses from Romans were instrumental in him trusting Jesus as his saviour. Romans 8, 15 to 17. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about the adoption of to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies that with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. You know, John Wesley didn't fully understand these things until he read that passage in Romans and what he saw was that Jesus makes us right with God we become God's children and God is our father let's just have one more Augustine 386 some 1600 years ago in his search for salvation found it after reading these words you guessed, from Romans, this time it's chapter 13, verse 13 to 14. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. You see, it's not just about the letter. It's about who the letter is speaking about. Because what Paul does in the letter to Romans is he introduces us to his saviour, Jesus, who can be our saviour. How about this piece from Paul's letter for us to take away with us this morning as we close? Romans 15, verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures, 
and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. There's the question we'll finish with. Is your hope in Jesus? If it is, do you know how big that hope is? If it isn't, why not put your hope in him today? Amen.